He gave us what we do not, uh, what we do not deserve. He redeems us from what we do deserve, and by His grace gives us what we don't deserve because He is God. And the I inclusion, the fact that He includes us in His family, we are brought into His family, not because of what we have done, not because of who we are, but because of who God is in reaching out to us. Uh, the F, forgiveness, the fact that our sins are paid for. Forgiveness because we're guilty, you get it? When, we were talking, when you talk about forgiveness, forgiveness is because an offense has happened. Uh, when you forgive someone, it's be, it, it doesn't diminish the reality of the offense. It's an acknowledgement that the offense was real. That's why forgiveness is needed. You know, so he gives us that forgiveness. You know, it's, you know, he came as that perfect sacrifice. It's not because our good outweighs the bad. We get forgiveness because of who he is. Uh, we looked at the T last, last week, tabernacle, the fact that God came to live among us. Uh, John 1.14, you know, that uh, the, the word became flesh and dwelt, tabernacled among us. Uh, you know, he himself came, and he is still with us. Emmanuel, God with us. You know, he is with us. Uh, the final message in the Advent series, the gifts of salvation is today, and that's salvation. Uh, you know, that, that reality that we're saved. We are saved from the just wrath of God. God's wrath is just because it is against sin and against, uh, you know, the, 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 the all things that oppose him. And that is a, a just wrath. And... Uh, if there was no wrath, then there's no sin. You get it? Because if there is no consequence for sin, then sin really doesn't exist. But there is a consequence. You know, and we are saved from that just wrath of God against sin as He accepts us through the sacrifice of Christ. Let's pray, and we're going to get into this a little bit real quickly. Father, thank You for who You are and the gifts that You have given us in Christ. I pray that you would help us to more and more embrace that, more and more embrace you and the reality of what life is with you. Thank you for that. I thank you for uh, those who will be sharing today too, and I pray that you would empower them, calm their hearts, and I pray that you would help them to be able to share effectively and uh, clearly what you have done and are doing in their lives, and we will all see uh, ourselves as we look at your word and hear from our brothers and sisters, and what you're doing in them. We pray with thanks in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to start in Titus real quick, and this will be the fastest uh, sermon you have ever heard me give. We're going to be in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. It's on page 1097. I am simply going to highlight, uh, quickly highlight a few observations from this passage, and then we're going to hear how God brought salvation to several in our church family. Uh, so here we go. Uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. You ready? It says, For the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. The very first thing comes right out of that first phrase, you know, and that's that salvation is an act of God's grace. 
for the grace of God has appeared. What we see in Christ is that grace of God, and we see that at work and through his life. It is not something earned. It is not a payment. It is the grace of God. What we're talking about in salvation is a response, is, is a reaction, is a result of the grace of God. Now, we've covered this many times previously. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, he says, For you are saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's God's gift. The whole thing is an acting of God. It's God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. Salvation is, first of all, an act of God's grace. See, point number two. I told you this would be the fastest sermon you've ever heard me go through. Salvation is available to all people. Why do I say that? Because the verse says, the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people. Now, you know, as we look at that, uh, no one can say it wasn't open to them. No one can say salvation was not available to me. No one can say I didn't have that. I didn't have that choice. I didn't have that opportunity. It's very clear. First Timothy chapter two, he says, uh, this is good and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, don't confuse this. Do not confuse this with thinking that everyone will be saved. Okay, do not confuse that. I am not saying here that everyone will be saved. What I am saying here is what the Scripture says. Salvation is available to all. And God wants all people to come to salvation. But the reality is you know, that some will reject the offer of God's salvation. Acts chapter 2, he says, Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who takes that step, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone who comes, you know, some will not call on the name of the Lord. Some will not come to him. They will reject God. I was in Sam's Club the other day, and as I wandered through Sam's Club, if you do it at lunchtime, you don't have to buy lunch, because there's samples everywhere. And as I wandered through Sam's Club, and I came upon this lady and what she had to offer, and she told me about it, and I looked at it, and no thanks, I don't want it. It wasn't hot dogs. But you know, no thanks, I don't, I don't want that. It was available to me. I could have taken it. And it was free, which is a very good price. And if you know me, I like free. You know, it, it was available to me and it was available to me for free. No thank you, I said. I don't want it. That's what some people do with Jesus. They know and they see and they understand, you know, and it is available to all people, but some people say, no thank you. Salvation brings a change in our living. Uh, look at verse 12 instructing us to deny godlessness. You see, there's that change where we used to embrace godlessness. Now we deny godlessness and worldly lust, it says, and to live. We, we, deny, we, deny those, we learn more and more to deny those things you know, that, that oppose God and we come more and more to live those things that are in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. Verse 14 says, He gave Himself to what? To redeem us. Redeem us. That He, brought, he bought us. You know, and there's that change in the living. He redeemed us from lawlessness. Why? To cleanse us for himself, a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. You see, there's a change there. We weren't eager to do good works before. Then there comes that time where we want to do good works, where now there's that drive within us to do what's good, that drive that didn't exist before. You know, and it's not just that our life has been changed, but our living has been changed as well. 
Our living has been changed. You know, we referred to Ephesians 2, you know, 8 and 9 earlier. You're saved by grace through faith. This is, you know, not of yourselves, a gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. Here's the very next verse. For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them, so that we should live in them. You see, there is a change in our living. Salvation brings that change. The final observation before some of our people come and share, um, you know, uh, salvation is a gift that we get better at living. We get better at living. We're not perfect. I've not met a perfect Christian. I've met some Christians who thought they were perfect. Um, They were wrong, and it's okay. I can live with that. Look at some of the words used here. Verse, verse 12, instructing this ongoing process of learning. Again in verse 12, he says, In the present age, we're learning to apply God's word where we live right now. In that present age. In this present age. Verse 13, while we wait for the Lord's appearing, he says, we realize we're in this for the long haul. You know, sometimes it would just be simpler if when we were saved, God said, and off we went, you know. That would, just be, that would just be much simpler sometimes, but that's not how God designed it. You know, and it's while we wait for his appearing, we learn. Verse 14, to cleanse us, eager to do good works. As we learn more, we apply more. As we learn more, we live more. Now, I've asked some of our folks to share their faith journey with you. And, um, you know, and they've agreed to do that. Uh, Max, Kathy and Max Haynes were going to share with us, and they are really the ones that prompted this service. Uh, the elders met with Max and Kathy just to hear how they came to Christ, you know, before they joined the church. And we just sat there and listened, and it was just such, it was, it was really a cool thing to hear. And I thought, you know, more of our people need to hear this about more of our people. So we had asked Max and Kathy if they would be willing to share, and they were, and they are, uh, but their health didn't permit that today, so um, they won't be. Uh, Jay Yen is going to be our first one to come and share with us about how God has worked in, in his life, and then also you'll hear from Ginny, because you've heard how I came to Christ before. I don't know that you've ever heard how my wife did. And so uh, she's going to share too. And then Andrew Klein, and they're going to come up, and they are just, you know, one right after the other. So we don't have uh, uh, Kathy and Max Haynes, unfortunately. Um, We'll see if we can't work out some way where they can share with you um, some other time. So Jay, Jay's going to come first and share with us what God's done in his life. If I remember to put the microphone back up, which I will right now. Hello. A little nervous. <laughs> I was going to write something down, but the paper stayed blank. So <laughs> I'm Jay. Um, I've been at this church well, off and on. I, I, I started going here back when we was playing softball, I think 12 years old. Um, I had a pretty good childhood. I grew up in Fort, here in Fort Wayne. Uh, it was good until... About 11, I was 11 years old, and my mother and father got a divorce, and uh, I think it affected me in, or more than in ways that I did not understand at the time. 
So moving forward, my teenage years, I was <laughs> I was pretty rambunctious and uh, yeah, I was a wild child, <laughs> and uh, you know kept going. I, I, I don't know, I don't know. Got into my twenties and just started going down the wrong path, I guess, to cope. So I would like self-medicate. You know, first it was you know alcohol and stuff, and then you know in my twenties. My late 20s, it moved on to harder things. And uh, during this whole time, I've always, I've always known God was, I've always known there was a God. I've always known he was, he was real, but I ignored him. So he tried to um, wake me up a bunch of times, a bunch of times. And uh, I kept ignoring him and ignoring him. And I would get through things, and then I, I might ignore him again, and it was it was frustrating. So uh, I started to get in trouble, and um, this is the time when he was really trying to wake me up. Uh, and you know, I ended up doing a little bit of time in prison. This was state prison at the time, and. Uh, you know, every time I went to prison, I, I treated it like it was a rehabilitation because every time I went, I was addicted to something. It was something different every time. I've been there more than once, twice I've been there. And uh, so I, I did get closer to God, and, you know, I realized, started realizing things. And I remember in 2009, I was at Westville, and I was just getting ready to come home. And I had been through addiction, just not a different part of my addiction then and six weeks before I came home um, I walk in and just like a light bulb just poof went off in my head I didn't have no anxiety I didn't have no depression I didn't have anything and I was like just wow it was amazing and uh, I came home and I ignored him again and I uh just felt myself spiraling back down, um, got around the wrong people, did the wrong things, uh, got into heavier drugs, and that was that was wild. I uh, I didn't at first it was you know here and there, and then it got to really really bad, like a lot every day for about two years straight. Uh, I never, I did not think I was ever going to beat that because only 2% of people that uh, have that beat it and stay off of it. So uh, during, it took me a whole year to get like totally clean in 2016 off, off opiates. That, that was the worst thing I ever had to do in my life. But that was the time that I like really, like truly felt God, like when I was withdrawing, it was it was the, the craziest thing. And like I would sleep, but I wouldn't sleep. I, I didn't sleep for 22 days at one time. I didn't get out of bed for 20. Like it was horrible, the worst thing ever. I did not think I was going to make it. And he, he was there. He, like I would dream, and it was just, it was amazing. So it took me a whole year to, you know, get off that. And, and I'm okay, and then I'm still... You know, so that's 2016, and I'm still, 2017, I had been clean for a year with a few, but, so I had, I was, I thought I could 
you know, move on and do something else and not have the same problem. Well, we all know how that works. Um, so I was using other things, and this this was methamphetamine, and uh, I it, that took me. That was another time to where I did not think I was going to to make it. Um, I was sitting on the front seat of someone's van. I had no idea who this person was. Met him like a day or two before, and I'm sitting there, and I just, I was just, I was done. Um, I just didn't, I didn't think I was going to make it. And I'm sitting there, and I'm laying on this van, and I had just done a bunch, and I see my father. My father passed 10 years ago, and he always wanted me to get my stuff together and you know, I kind of blew that off, too. So I'm sitting there in this van, and I see him shaking his head no. And I I just come to it, and I'm really, that's when I started to really get serious. And then uh, in that point in time, God's trying to wake me up here, trying to wake me up there. trying, You know, all these things are happening, and I'm just ignoring it, ignoring it. And he says, okay, well, state prison didn't work, so... Uh, you don't care seeing, you know, state of Indiana versus Jay Yenna. Let's see how you feel about the United States of America versus Jay Yenna. So, yeah, I, I had a, a federal charge, and I went to federal prison for three years. Um, just, just, I was walking down the street, and I had a gun, and I shouldn't have had it. And as simple as that, took three years, five years of my life, actually. So, uh it's, it, it was funny because during that time, I'm thinking, remember I said I treated every time I went to prison like a rehab. So I'm like, okay, this time I'm going, I'm getting clean, I'm going to do good, I'm going to feel great, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Everything worked out. I worked out all the time. I was a barber. I was a wheelchair pusher for the whole prison. Like, everything was perfect. So I'm thinking, okay. I should be getting happier. But the more sober I got, the more depressed I got. And I was talking to a pastor, and as soon as I said that, he shook his head, and he goes, God has a funny way of reminding you of things to keep you from, from going back. And that really hit, and it just, everything clicks. And uh, I've, I've been out two years. I've been sober off everything for five years. The main thing was eight years. And... Uh, I'm a manager at uh, AutoZone. I have my wife, Tessa, and my, my first son, Jackson. That's my mother, Angela. And uh, I just got a house. Um, I'm sober. I just love life. And I'm still, I'm still, I'm just, yeah, I'm just so grateful and thankful. And I love the church. I, I'm, I'm just so thankful. And that's how God is works in my life and I could sit here and talk for hours about things he's done it's just amazing thank you well you don't have anything quite that dramatic <laughs> but um I was reading this week in a story in the Gospels about um, a man who was possessed by a legion of demons. I'm not really sure how much a legion is, but it's a lot. And he's so um, 
so racked with turmoil by these demons that he, he breaks every chain that um, they try to bind him with, and, and he's acting in scary and irrational ways. And Jesus comes along, and he casts out those demons. And the man begs to stay with Jesus. And Jesus says, no, but go home and tell your friends how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. And so my story is not that dramatic, but the Lord has had mercy on me, and he has done many things for me, so I also claim that. Um, I, Like Jay, I always felt from my youngest age that, um, that God was wooing me, that he was calling me to himself. And um, <clears throat> I didn't grow up in a religious home. I'm a, also a, a child of divorce and had step-parents and, and those kinds of things in my life. But um, I just remember that um, my, my parents didn't restrict us from going to church. And I remember that my great-grandmother used to bring us to church. I remember that my aunt would pray the Lord's Prayer with us at night when she was putting us to bed. I remember that one of my aunts had a big Bible on her coffee table that was one of those family Bibles, and I was just intrigued by that. And I just always had this sense of God calling me to himself, of God wooing me. And then um, I had a, a neighbor girl, a friend, who lived down the block from me, and she invited me to a local church and kind of got involved in that church, um, mostly because they gave away little statues to you when it was your birthday. And I really wanted one of those little statues. Not sure I ever got one of those, but that's why I went to church. Um, and then when I was a freshman in high school, death became very, very real to me. My mom, um, after several years of battling cancer, passed away. And I was um, without her living uh, with my um, stepdad. He had adopted us. Um, and the deacon from that little church that we went to came to our house and explain the way of salvation and to my brothers and I. To this day, I'm a little surprised that my stepdad allowed that because it was very anti-God. Um, but we, my brothers and I all accepted the Lord at that time. He explained that you know we needed forgiveness for our sins. And, and like I said, death was very real to me, and I did not want to go to hell. And so we, my brothers and I accepted the Lord that day. Well... There wasn't any discipleship, and I was in high school and kind of fell away from going to church. And so um, I, when I was about a junior, you just kind of lived my life, and, and again, um, not much religious input there. And so when I was in a junior in high school, I met this young man um, named Patrick, and we started dating. And uh, coincidentally, and I say that with quotes, um, his sister was a born-again Christian, and she invited me to go with her to a Bible study one night. I think Pat and I were already engaged. In fact, I'm sure we were. Um, and so I went with her, um, and she explained salvation to me after we went to that Bible study. And I don't know if you want to call that recommitting my life or what theologically you want to call that, but I recommitted uh, my life to, to the Lord. And again, mostly just because I didn't want to go to hell. There really wasn't uh, any deep longing to, to be spiritual in any way here. But, um, but so then a couple of days later, his sister, Mary, called me and she said, you know, now that you're a Christian, she said, um, my brother is not a Christian. And I said, okay. And she said, so you can't marry him. 
And I'm like, excuse me, but I'm marrying your brother. So I realize now that uh, she was right and and that could have gone south uh, really easily. Um, But we did get married. Pat was not a Christian at the time, and obviously he's become a Christian since. (laughs) So for which I'm uh, eternally grateful. Um, And then, you know, as the years have unfolded, there have been a variety of Bible studies, a variety of people. Pat's sister um, arranged for us to have a Bible study in our home, and we just grew leaps and bounds in that Bible study. It was Pat's mentioned Randy Boltima many times. He and his wife, uh, Jean, were instrumental in our growth and, um, and in Pat's salvation, really. Um, and then uh, church services, prayer times, um, just there was a one particular service that Pat and I went to where we just really committed our lives to serving God. So it was that kind of just it wasn't just to be saved. Uh, it was to be uh, committed to Him. And, and I remember that very specifically. That was uh, in the CMA church. Um, but I've continued to grow, and it, I, even now to this day, after I've been a Christian for I don't know how many years, probably 50. But um, you know, my son every once in a while sends podcasts to me, and they challenge my thinking, and they, they help me to examine the, the scriptures and to grow. And, and so it's a growing relationship. Um, and and I, I don't say this out of false humility, um, but there is nothing special about me that would, that would want the Lord to want me, that would want him to pursue me or woo me. There's, there's nothing. I, mean, I have no special abilities or talents. And again, I'm not, you know, there's, there's no false humility there. That, that is really how I feel about it. And yet, even me, he pursued. Um, so any good thing, any good thing that you see in me is just strictly because of his working in my life. And so I want to leave you with this scripture verse because this is one of my favorites. And it's from John 6, 37 and following. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. So that's my hope in God. Hello, <clears throat> I'm Andrew Klein, and I have been attending Northside Missionary Church um, since, I believe it was around first grade, uh, sometime between 1991 and 1992. Um, and I see Cheryl shaking her head. Actually, she was my uh, very first Sunday school teacher here, uh, so very grateful uh, for that. I, I grew up on Lillian Avenue, and uh, I remember... Um, so I'm Lillian, just right down the street here. Uh, I had a friend, Neil Miller, lived right next door to me, uh, told me, you know, we could get candy at church, and, <laughs> and that, you know, he invited me down, so, so I came down. Um, I came on and off uh, to church in my earlier uh, years. Um, it wasn't an every Sunday thing. Um, I also attended church with my grandma, at uh, uh, Precious Blood 
she was Catholic and, and would take me there um, uh, sometimes for services, uh, and then other weeks I would I would come here. Um, sometime uh, around fourth grade, um, and it might have been third grade, might have been fourth grade. I, re- I remember I was watching. I, I think it's the Seven Hundred Club, and. Um, like I, I don't know what I was doing in my room that, to have the 700 Club on, but um, they, <clears throat> the way to salvation was explained, and, and I remember, um, you know, thinking this is this is right, this is what I should do. Um, So when I practiced in my car, didn't did never shed a tear. Um, I'll get there, I'm sure. Uh, so then uh, I started meeting with Kent. started meeting with Kent in the summers. Um, in the summer, I think it was before my fifth grade year, um, with uh, Corey Castleberry, who we've seen a few times and we hope, hope he comes back. Um, uh, those meetings with Kent were... Um, were just really instrumental in my, um, you know, salvation. When I look back and so, um, anyway, but met with Kent, like I said, over the summer. Started attending church a little bit more often. It came to be like most uh, most Sundays. I um, for a time I um,
I lived at uh, uh, Pat and Ginny's house. Um, I mean, not really, but <laughs> it just seemed like it. Um, I attended CYC. That's a Central Di- District uh, Youth Conference. It was a uh, church retreat every summer, um, you know, similar to, to like Ginny said, um, there was a time again, um, Adrian, I think, was a speaker, um, had some sticks in his pants or something, and he, he uh, asked people to dedicate their life to Christ, and so I remember doing that again, um, you know, just making sure that, that I was uh, saved, um, Again, increasing the number of, of Sundays and, and stuff that I was attending here. But um, as I graduated high school, uh, I joined the Navy my junior year. Um, and, and when I went off to the Navy, um, it was five years that, that I spent, for the most part, uh, away from Christ. I, I went to a service, church service, every once in a while. Um, I, I had a Gideon Bible, and I, and I did read it um, a, a few different um, places that I went. Um, and then uh, when I got out of the Navy, uh, it was 2007, I immediately started going to uh, IPFW to, to pursue a career in teaching. Um, and while I, was, while I started going to college, um, I, I, had, I guess I left this major point out. I, I uh, met my wife Chelsea, uh, and and um, we were actually uh, high school sweethearts. We we met at Northside um, High School, and um, stayed together through my time in the Navy, and then uh, got married right when I got out. Um, so when I started going to college, she was actually already teaching. She had uh, finished her degree then, and um, I remember. There, there were some times in college where um, I, I felt like the university system was pulling me slightly away from, um, from God. And, and um, yeah, I started to have, uh, it was a very short period of time, these um, universal uh, religious ideas. And, and you know, I, again, I, I, I don't f- exactly know where those came from, but I felt like that was you know, that was uh, a challenge uh, to me. Um, I don't remember if it was in 2009 that we started the men's fraternity. Do you know? Was it nine or eight? Okay. But anyway, you know, I, I joined a group called Men's Fraternity uh, here at, uh, at the church. Um, and, you know, to, to this day, I, I still refer to, uh, we have a men's group that meets every Tuesday morning and have been now for uh, over 10 years, well over 10 years, um, I still call that group men's fraternity because I, you know, draw it back to, to that time. Um, and that was uh, probably the time I, I took my faith, um, my belief uh, in, in Christ, uh, my salvation, uh, the most serious. And, and then um, it really did change, uh, change my life, my outlook, um, you know the one of the things I always loved about the church were were the um, 
the the really happy um, the long happy marriages Just went over 10. family um, <laughs> there's just so much you know divorce and That's always been a, a, you know, big testament for me, um, uh, you know, seeing the people that have been married 50, 60 uh, years, which, um, you know, having that um, faith in each other. Um, so anyway, um, after, you know, attending this church 20 some years and and men's fraternity and then uh getting more you know more into bible studies and you know we you know we never miss uh, a church service you know it it takes a really special blizzard to to make me want to try uh you know not <clears throat> not be here not come here um you know i i can tell you one of the things uh i've been grateful for um you know i can't remember when when I started thinking this way, um, but you know my my faith in Jesus is uh, the, the roots are deep, and so um, I'll just leave it at that. I think that's good. Pat's sermon in six certainly, uh, and it was in six minutes, by the way. His sermon in six helped us to get out in a good time. I'm Andrew Klein. Thank you. <laughs> I really enjoy hearing how people came to know the Lord. It's a great, uh, a great thing. Um, you know, I just want want you to realize your testimony makes a difference. I mean, Andrew just told you, even hearing about those people who have been married for a long time, your testimony makes a difference. 
Don't ever forget about that. To be able to tell people about Christ. I was meeting with a couple that uh, called to see if I could, if I would do their wedding, and I said, "Well, let's get together and talk." And I, as we were talking, uh, the 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 man was a Christian, the woman was not, and I told him, I said, "I can't, I can't do the wedding," you know, um, because, and as I was talking to him, uh, the the woman said to me, "I know what you mean." She said, it was Jeff and Jill Elliott. Some of you know them. And Jill said, I know what you mean. She said, you and Jeff have your little story. I don't have a little story. Uh, but she, what, what she was telling me is, I understand I don't have what you guys have. You know, Well, they started coming to church, and she did come to Christ. And I remember she called me up one day. She said, can I come see you after work? I said, sure, that'd be great. She came in, and she just extended her hand, you know, and she said, I just want to thank you. You know, and she told me her little story. You know, realize what God has done in your life. He wants to be able to share that others will know Him as well. Uh, your testimony is a powerful witness to the grace, the inclusion, the forgiveness, the presence, the tabernacle, the presence of Christ and salvation. Uh, share it with others. Share it often. Got a little space in your, in your uh, outline on there. And, uh, you know, it says, that's not it. Uh, it. It says, you know, right there, what's your story? Uh, tell people about it. Just stand together for the benediction. Father, what a great gift salvation is. And to hear how you've worked in people's lives. That is a treasure for us. And I thank you for what you have done and are doing uh, in Jay's life, Jenny's life, Andrew's life, Kathy and Max too, and many before me. Uh, help us to bring joy to your heart, honor to your heart, and help us to be able to share the reality of what you are doing with others, that they too may come to have their own story of life with you. We thank you and pray in Christ's name. Amen.